Welcome to Coffee and Therapy, where we spill the tea on therapy-related topics, sip our favorite coffee, and share our expertise with parents, professionals, clinicians, and anyone who could benefit from a little therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Coffee and Therapy. This is not Alyssa. This is Noah, and I will be here rocking the mic on my own today. Today in my world is a Friday morning. The dew is everywhere. I went to drop off the kids at daycare and at the bus stop, and my windows were foggy. And you know what? It was kind of beautiful. So I'm just living that relaxed start of the weekend, Friday morning life. And I'm coming to you in that similar idea with the topic we're going to touch on today which is this idea of gentle accountability. I'm defining gentle accountability as ways to continue to hold ourselves up, push ourselves to that next level, make sure that we are continuing to learn and grow and strive for our absolute best in our work, but also recognize that the people behind all of this striving and this reaching and this goal-getting are people. People have good days. People have crummy days. People have meh days. Even when you are a therapist, when you are a teacher, I don't care what role you have, you have to give and show yourself grace. You have to be gentle in your accountability. I do really genuinely believe that you can be reaching for something, striving for something, and still be gentle with yourself all the while in recognizing that in this moment, I am doing what I can and that is enough. So with this idea of gentle accountability, I personally am just wrapping up my first week back to schools. I'm a school-based music therapist, which means I work in public schools grades, kindergarten, all the way through 12th grade. We had just about two weeks off between our summer term and our fall term, and I'm still on the fence about whether that time off is beneficial, and I'm talking about simply for myself, or whether just continuing on would be better. We want to say, as folks working in helping professions, that the transitions are hard for everyone else, but we've got it. We've got it. Newsflash, we, we don't get it. Transitions are hard. They're hard for me too. When I'm in my flow state, stopping, pausing, and then starting back up again is really jarring for me. So this entire week has just been reacclimating to routine. Although I'm definitely someone who craves routine, getting back into it, it's, it's just been like a jolt to my system. So throughout this week, and as I plan ahead for the rest of the month, this idea of gentle accountability is something that I'm really working hard to internalize and to live authentically. And maybe just talking through it with you today will help you to kind of start this own process for yourself. And maybe there's some comfort in knowing that you're not the only one trying to figure out how to make sense of this, how to make meaning of it in your life. If it's feeling foreign, if it's feeling uncomfortable or unfamiliar, you're not alone. Gentle accountability, 
I don't think comes naturally to most people. I think it takes time. And finding that balance between accountability and being gentle is really what I hope we're going to start digging into today. This idea of gentle accountability was something that I stumbled upon really within the last year, year and a half. I think COVID for a lot of us has prompted us to stop and re-examine how we look at our lives, how we live our lives, how we define parts of our lives. And for me, as I was working with one of our interns at Spectrum Creative Arts, we're based in Rochester, New York, we were coming up with ways in our supervision time to reflect on what she was doing in her sessions that she was working with me and how she could almost build a thought process, a stream of questions and thoughts to hold herself accountable in a way that was as independent as possible, as autonomous as possible, but that also was supportive and that didn't just provide her with some peace of mind and a mindset where she could come into her sessions focused, but that also could help her to continue to be in this growth mindset and evaluating and analyzing What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Is it effective? Is it not effective? How am I quantifying what's effective? And if it's not working, being able to start to pick out what parts of it aren't working. So we're not just living in this space of, oh, I did this and it fell flat. I did this and it was crummy. Oh, I had a blast session. Understanding why. Why do I feel like it was a blast session? What contributed to that feeling and how can I learn and grow from it and not just feel defeated and stop in my tracks and say, well, ugh, I'm the worst. I'm never going to learn, right? This is my 12th year of being a therapist. And those feelings, those thoughts, those, ugh, it wasn't good. Why wasn't it good? Come on. Those don't stop. Maybe I'm speaking too generally for the public, but I mean, for me personally, We're constantly evaluating what we're doing. We're constantly asking ourselves, am I I doing this right? Is it enough? Is it me? So I hope that going through this topic a little bit today will help you to create a framework for yourself that is not self-deprecating, that is a healthy balance of questioning why and growing and moving forward. So this this series of questions and thoughts I put together and I labeled and trademarked song implementation checklist for music therapists. I think that this is not exclusive to music and I think that this is not then exclusive to songs. This could be an implementation checklist for therapists, an evaluation checklist for therapists. It's whatever you want to call it, that leads you to those series of thoughts and questions that critically and gently evaluate what happened in session. There are seven topic areas that I usually cover within this checklist, but for today, I really want to focus on three. If this is something after we go through this together that really resonates with you, you'd love access to, you have more questions about, 
shoot us a DM at Coffee and Therapy on our social media. I'd be happy to connect with you. My personal um, social media page, and actually let me say my personal meaning, it's associated with me. It's my professional page as a therapist is at Spectrum Noah N-O-A. So feel free to connect with me there too. The three topics we're going to dive into today are engagement opportunities, goal-directed, and accessibility. So within each of these topics, I have a series of questions that we go through that tend to lead us to other questions, that tend to lead us into big dialogue that usually spans across multiple weeks, multiple supervision sessions, multiple moments. This first one, engagement opportunities. We're asking ourselves, how am I involving my students, my clients, whatever you call the individuals that you work with, how am I involving these individuals directly into the musical experience? Or if you're an educator, into the lesson, into the educational experience. How am I involving them directly in the experience? When education, therapy, music, whatever the modality is that you're using, when that happens to someone, as opposed to happening with someone, we are really compromising the opportunity for them to consume and connect with what we're doing. I will constantly say I am a firm believer, and I'll speak specific to therapy. Therapy has to happen with someone. It can't happen to someone. If it happens to someone, I don't know that I would call that therapy because therapy is about the reciprocity, the relationship between all of the parts, all of the people, all of the things happening. So that first question, how am I involving my students, clients, consumers, whomever, directly into the experience? And if your answer is, oh, I don't know, or shoot, you know what? I I can't think of how I involved them directly with it. I did this. I brought in this lesson. I brought in this song and I taught it and I played it. But now that I'm stopping and reflecting, I'm realizing it felt more like a monologue instead of a dialogue. Okay. That is why we start with that question in engagement opportunities, because it's arguably the most important and it's going to set the stage then for how we hold ourselves accountable and how we check in with ourselves and the work that we're doing in the next questions that follow. So this next question, we sort of already touched on it. Is music happening to them or with them? Swap out music for is art happening to them or with them? Is the instruction happening to them or with them? Is the experience happening to them or with them? If it's happening to them, there could be some justification for why that is the most engaging route to take. I tend to think that even if something is happening to you, there's got to be some way to include you directly and to draw you in and involve you. There has to be, there has to be, there has to be. So that's 
critical part of this engagement opportunities topic. The last question, the last stream of thought is, am I adapting musical structures in the moment to incorporate spontaneous student responses? Am I adapting musical structures in the moment to incorporate spontaneous response? This is a really big one. I think it's one that when we are not being gentle with ourselves is the biggest thing to go. When we are just moving forth and we are plowing this path and we're saying, well, I came with this session plan today. I came with this lesson plan. I came with this song. Like I'm going to do it because I worked really hard on it. I wrote it. I created it. I prepped it practiced it. Now I just want to do it. We have to be asking ourselves, but why? Who is that serving? Is that serving you? Is that serving your student? Those are pretty important. (laughs) That's a pretty important place to pause and reflect before you continue to answer the question. In therapy, We have to, again, recognize we are humans. We have to be gentle with ourselves. We're having some good days, some bad days, some crummy days, some math days. But in therapy, we have to be able to focus on the why. Why are we here? We are here because of the student, the client, the individual. We are important. And maybe the word I'm looking for isn't that we come secondary, but we have to recognize what is the driving force behind what we're doing. If we are not able to adapt in the moment, we are not providing the most engaging opportunities for our clients, for our students. That's hard. That's really hard to do. Because likely when you came into the session with your lesson plan, with your song, with your intervention, You felt really good about it. You thought about it. You brainstormed. You anticipated all these different scenarios. And then, look, real life happens. Something happened within your session that you did not expect. Maybe you feel ready to pivot and you feel ready to adapt in the moment. And you try something and, wow, it's it's really engaging and accessible for this, this person that you're working with. Maybe you adapted pivoted, fell flat. The most important part of that process is that you tried it and that you did it. Because without having tried to adapt or to pivot, you don't have an opportunity to grow and analyze and reflect and say, okay, for next time I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this differently. It might have felt really painful in the moment, and you might have been like, what am I doing? What am I doing right now? <laughs> what, what is even happening? But we have to be ready to adapt in any sort of supporting or helping profession because that's why we're there. We're there to bring our tools to the table and say, okay, let's do this, and let's see what happens. 
With the second part of that question, so we have the first part, am I adapting musical structures in the moment to incorporate spontaneous student responses? That last part, incorporate spontaneous responses. Again, this comes back to where and why, where is this rigidity coming from? Why am I feeling so rigid in implementing what I'm doing in this one way? Because when I do it that way, I'm likely not going to leave space for incorporating spontaneous responses, incorporating what's actually happening in the moment to create an experience that's meaningful for that individual, to be a part of that experience with them. That's a big, loaded question and prompt in and of itself. And maybe that's something that if you feel is is worthwhile for us coming back to as a roundtable with all of the perspectives, with Sarah's perspective and Courtney's perspective and Alyssa's perspective, I'm here for it. I'm game. I think that bringing more voices to the table is awesome and definitely the best way to dive into this. But maybe this is really the question that's sticking with you in this idea of engagement opportunities. Am I adapting what I'm doing in the moment to incorporate spontaneous responses? And maybe we can really dive together into how. What are some ways we can do that? How can I do that? What does that look like? What do I do when XYZ happens? Or XYZ has happened and I've tried this. I, I'm glad I did, but it didn't necessarily get me to a place where I have a better sense of what to do instead. What do I do? Engagement opportunities. Okay. Let's pick up that box. I've got my hands out in front of me. I'm picking up an imaginary box. I'm placing it to the side. Let's move on to our next topic. And I'm looking at the time now. We're about 17 and a half minutes in. I want to I wanna cap this at 30 minutes. I want to keep it really mini for today. So maybe we dive into two. And that's okay because you know what? I'm being gentle with myself. Being gentle with myself. Let's save goal directed for next time. Maybe we'll end up diving into this a little bit with this topic of accessibility, but let's really focus on accessibility. So again, this idea of gentle accountability, how am I asking myself a series of really important, critically evaluative questions, and also being gentle with myself in the moment and in this evaluation and recognizing, okay, I'm reflecting on what happened. I tried XYZ. It still didn't go well. That's okay. That is an important part of your process too. Flopping, feeling like that just did not go well. It was not effective. It was not engaging. It was not accessible. Is important because that is how we grow. If we don't have the ability to critically self-evaluate and say, "Mm, yeah, it wasn't good. wasn't good. We are stagnant we don't grow. So with this topic of accessibility, I have another three questions. I usually cap each topic at about three questions because as you can see, it took us 17 minutes just to get through (laughs) reading through the questions and the engagement opportunities, let alone actually debrief about something that really happened in your role as a teacher, as a therapist. Accessibility. First question. Am I creating experiences that are accessible for my students? 
Are opportunities for engagement and access equitable? Are the topics I'm approaching and the ways I'm approaching them accessible to my students' reality? Big ones to unpack here in 10 minutes. Let's do it. Am I creating experiences that are accessible for my students? You have to start by defining what does accessibility look like? What does it mean for your students? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? Accessibility is how someone connects with something. How someone can access a connection with something. How do I get them there? How do I support their journey to their destination? So you really have to do some deep diving into figuring out how do you how do you get that information? Is it solely from your time together as their teacher, as their therapist, in your sessions or in your lessons? Is there a team around you and around them? Do they have a support network that you can really tap into and say, hey, how does Jamie connect with this topic? How does Jamie access this type of material? What types of supports, methods, materials can I be using to support their connection, their autonomy, their independence? And then are the opportunities, are these experiences that we're creating for engagement and access equitable? Equity is a tough one. Equity is a big word. Equity has a lot of different meanings. For the sake of today and for the sake of where this question originated, our intern was doing a lot of group work. And within our groups were folks who experience the world vastly different from one another, who engage with experiences vastly different from one another. So what we were really asking this question to accomplish is saying, when you are in a setting where you are teaching, supporting people who are vastly different from one another, but the expectation around us, right? The reason that we are here is to provide a group experience for everyone to engage at the same time. Are we doing our best to make sure that we are bringing in materials that meets each student or client where they are? And do we have a good sense of what the tools are to support their access and to support their engagement? So for example, if you're bringing in a lesson, you're bringing in a song where you have students who benefit from visual supports, other students in the same group, who are largely auditory learners and connect through auditory stimuli. And you have learners and people who are there that access material best with sensory supports. 
the core lesson, the core song, the core experience can be united. But then it's almost like if you imagine, this is sort of a strange analogy, but you imagine an octopus, the body of the octopus, that big old head with those big old eyeballs, that is the core of the experience. That is, that is what unites all of the parts. And then the octopus's tentacles are the different ways that we reach out and connect in different ways with different people. So are you, in, in your octopus analogy, are you using all of your eight tentacles or however many, right? They're endless. Let's pretend this is an octopus with endless capacity for tentacles. Um, are you using those really intentionally and in a way that is diverse, in a way that creates as many opportunities for equity as possible in the experience? Again, that's a huge one. Equity, that's its own episode. The last question for today in this topic of accessibility is, are the topics I'm approaching and the ways that I'm approaching them accessible to my students' reality? There's a little bit of goal-directed questioning in there when we talk about topics, right? Why am I bringing this in? What significance does it hold to the people I am sharing the space with. Are the topics that I'm approaching and the way that I'm approaching them, so let's start there. Am I approaching these again in ways that are equitable? Is the roads and the pathways to engagement accessible and is it equitable? And then is it accessible to my students or my clients' reality? You may, if you're working in an education setting, you may feel like you are tethered to some very specific expectations because you have common core, because you have an IEP, an individualized education plan for students who are receiving special education supports. You may feel like those are the be-all, end-all. If I'm not tethered to those, I, I can't be doing it. I'd say that's false. What we have to be mindful of within any setting is that the student's reality, where the student is, what they are telling us that they need, what they are telling us they are looking for and is meaningful for them, has to guide everything that we do. It has to. It has to because that is why we're there. We became educators. We became therapists because we care about people and we care about the people that we are in this space to support and to connect with and to engage with. So if you are working with someone, let's say you are a more traditional talk therapist and you said, well, this person is, their chronological age is X, which means we need to be working on Y, because that is what's deemed developmentally appropriate with their chronological age. Chronological age, yes, is important, but chronological age can't dictate all of the parts of what that person can benefit from and access. That's a part of the puzzle. It's not the entire puzzle. So we have to really figure out what are all those other pieces? What is the reality that my student is existing within? And how can I take 
where I think we need to go and where my student is telling us they want to be and find that happy in between. And again, just like the engagement opportunities, right? How am I adapting structures in the moment to incorporate spontaneous responses? Maybe this idea too of how am I bringing in material that is accessible to my students' reality? Maybe that's a separate episode too. Again, your feedback is going to be the best way to know, is this a topic that we need to revisit? Or like, you know, this was good, thought about it, but I'm, I'm okay to move on, right? Like this was helpful. I got what I needed. Thumbs up. Let's, let's move on. Because guess what? This podcast is about your reality, right? Let's go back to this idea of accessibility. We want to be bringing topics, conversation, ideas that support you and support your reality and support what you're looking for and the guidance that you seek, the conversation that you seek, the camaraderie that you seek. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Again, connect with me on social media. Instagram is probably the spot that I like best. My handle is at Spectrum Noah, N-O-A. If you want to reach me on my professional page, you can also just DM us at Coffee and Therapy, spelled coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, A-N-D, Therapy, T-H-E-R-A-T-E-A. Thank you guys for tuning in. As you can tell, there is not a shortage of thinking and talking and processing that I would love to dive into and I'm totally ready to dive into, but I hope that this prompts you to find that balance for you. Figure out what that looks like. What does a gentle accountability look like in your life? And recognizing it's okay if that journey to gentle accountability feels tough or challenging or foreign, but you deserve that. You deserve to find that balance between holding yourself accountable and being gentle at the same time. With those words, I hope you have a great day, moment, afternoon, morning, evening, and if you're me, weekend. And we will check back with you guys again soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Coffee and Thera Tea. Keep the conversation flowing and follow us over on Instagram at Coffee and Thera Tea. Questions, thoughts, ideas? Email us, coffeeandtherapy at gmail.com. We can't wait for you to listen in again soon.